Back at it again, 6.99 per pound podcast. Once again, is your boy Jakey Cho and Joanne Park. Uh huh. Well, spring is finally here. I think spring already came and went. It is. I know. Like, I don't. I don't even think spring was ever here. Like it literally. You know what it is? I, I think. I think it was so cold for so long, and then it got warm for one day, and then all these pollens were just like, you know what? I know, I'm itchy everywhere. We need to start having sex, and then they just started going all out, and then these motherfuckers <laughs> just kind of hit you, like, out of nowhere, yo. Like, it's, it does. It fucked yeah. me up, man. I never had allergies until I moved to New York. Like, it, it's not a thing in Los Angeles. It's, maybe it's just so dry all the time. I that's what it is, man. Uh-huh. I think that's what it is. But yeah, yeah. so what, what's, what's going on? So spring on? is finally here, and that was my segue. Mm-hmm. Like, you always say I need more sesame oil into my segues. Uh-huh. Um, to what I've been obsessed with lately. Okay. So, spring equals, you know, as you said, the uncuffing. Everyone's looking for their new mate. Uh-huh. You know, it's love is in the air. Have you heard of this thing, this concept called five love languages? Nah, I don't know. Wait, hold up. I think I know about it. Some people said that I suck at it. You suck at what? Like I suck at reading other people's love languages. Oh, okay. Who are some people? <laughs> I, yeah, like, I mean, if I have to go into the specifics, like, I feel like there's a whole list, but... Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, so yeah, let me okay. help you with that. Okay, okay, drop a gem on them. All right. So the five love languages is basically how to how you express your love. You know, we it's a language, right? Mm. Love is a language. Mm. And there's a language that you speak, and there's also a language that you understand. Mm. And this guy named Gary Chapman, he wrote this book in 1995, and it was called The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of in the marriage counseling lens, but it really caught on. It had like a little bit of a resurgence lately um, amongst my friends. And he theorizes that there are five main ways to express love. And I'll read them to you right now. Right. Um, one is uh, receiving gifts, uh-huh. quality time, uh-huh. words of affirmation or validation, Word. acts of service, so kind of acts of kindness, and obviously physical touch. So like what if it was like, let's say if a shorty – when you're having sex and then the okay. dude never like go down on her, right? And then like, is that an act of service and physical touch, a culmination of both? Yeah, these totally can be blurred lines. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the thing, yeah, if if your love language is physical and you don't feel it fulfilled, you might not fulfilled in a relationship. But inversely, oh, cause you might speak different languages, right? right. So for example, like, uh, like, if you are someone who likes to give gifts, mm. right, and, like, you shower your partner with, like, little things like flowers or coffee or, like, you know, jewelry or whatever, um, but what your partner really needs is words of affirmation mm. in that, like, you look beautiful or, like, you're amazing and, like, you know, believe in yourself and, like, I believe in this relationship. If you're not kind of, like, a wordy person, that person's going to be so unfulfilled and you're going to be confused because you're just like, wait, I'm expressing my love. Like, mm. I'm doing all these things and I do I do these things when 
and I love someone, but it's not translating. It's all language, right? So what this book seeks to kind of promote is that, like, we should really try to understand, like, um, the language that everyone is speaking and flex towards that. You know, you don't want to, you know, completely lose yourself, but you should be cognizant about your partner. And it builds empathy. So so what is like your love language for you? For me, I was thinking about it. And, you know, there's like obviously a lot, like everyone, they can all happen in like tandem. I'm just like full of love. I I can really relate to like all of these things. But I think... um, if I would go inversely and go like what is not really my love language is quality time. Um, I don't really need to be with someone all the time. But like define quality you know, time. Quality time, you know, like setting a sign like side like some people want to see their partner every single day. Right. You know, it's like, you know, we work and blah blah blah, but at the end of the day we come home and we have dinner together. That's right. like quality time. Right. For me, that's not really that important. Like right. I don't have to see them all the time. I don't have to like send them texts to be like, hey, you know. But um, like I feel like the five things that you listed. Yeah. Um, some people want all five. Yeah. And but is then, that a possibility as well? I think there you have to prioritize. Okay. And you and you should challenge your partner to be like, okay, of obviously five of these exist. Like, but what's, what's the, the most percentage? important? Yeah, it really it's I like, mean you could yo, totally it, do that. Is it like twenty, 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 twenty? Or is it like <laughs> thirty, forty, yeah. ten, ten, ten? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? No, absolutely. Did the math come out right? <laughs> yeah, I think the math was right. Yeah. We're Asian. It was probably right. Um, but so I wanted to ask you what your love language was. So, okay, I did a cop out. So mine is not really quality times. I will say the one I speak, I am very affirming. Like mm. if I, I'm very generous with like compliments. And if I see something that I like or whatever, I will like compliment you and be like, you're doing such a good job, blah, 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 blah. Some people are a little bit more stingier with that, I think, or they don't really think to express it out loud but right. for me i when i think of something and I, where i notice something I, I i make sure to say it so the other person so feels. love language for me you mean like what i like or what i do for other people so it can be some people it's the same uh-huh. like because he gary the author theorizes that like what you speak is what you like to receive like that's kind of his theory is but i also like a psychologist like, so he studied like anthropology okay. but he's also like it was kind of also based in like biblical things so this uh, started off like a marriage kind of like counseling thing, you. you know. But you can totally have a different one that you speak and the one that you receive. Okay. So what okay. would you well, take a stab me, at it? Like, um, okay, like I don't really know what f- works for me mm-hmm. uh, as a love language, I think. But like I know that I am very much – I wouldn't say the word generous, but, like, I like to, like, buy people meals. Like, mm-hmm, I like mm-hmm. to gift people in Gifts, the right yeah. occasions. I like to, like, try to tell people that they are good at what they do. Mm-hmm. But then I also am really good at criticizing people f- for what they suck at. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that shit kind of balances yeah, it out. And also maybe. I feel you like— You are a gift. I do notice that about you. Like, you gave us a little notebooks and stuff, and I thought that was very thoughtful. I know I'm mad mm-hmm. awful in that sense. But then, like, motherfuckers <laughs> always forget what they receive. They only remember what they didn't receive. Well, that's that thing. Like, that's maybe their love language of, like, it. they don't really care about gifts. Right. You know, maybe they cared more about, like, you know. Me act- saying, like, yo, you good at what you do? Maybe. And, yeah. And to put it on an even playing field to be, like, my language isn't more superior than the other mm. is the 
step in understanding people and you know having harmony and stuff. So right, right, yeah, and that's the thing. You you know. It, 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 that's why this is specific to your partner, because right. then you are actually invested and you care about them and you care about their happiness. Like to people you don't fucking care about, you know, I I wouldn't mull over what their love language is. Right, right, right. But yeah, okay. I thought that was really interesting, and mm. I've been kind of using it like in terms of just trying to understand people. But like, I feel not like taking certain people enjoy. Uh, doesn't a lot of, if not most people, all enjoy physical escalation? Yeah, but yes. <laughs> okay, what was the hesitation? About? No, I mean yes, it is. Again, these can all coexist with each other. Mm. Some people, you know, might be like, "I need to have sex every single day," you know, or right. like three times a day, or I don't know. That's excessive. Wow, but that's pretty. But some people might that, just be like, "Let's just have like one intense session a week or something like uh, that." You know, uh, who knows? That right, that might be right, it. But right. it's all coexisting. Doesn't mean the other languages don't exist. It just means you prefer one. Right. So, okay. That nah, was my little gem of nah, the week. No, nah, that's pretty tight. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely look more into that, yo. Yes. Okay. So for me, I think it has something to do with the physical and the mental. Mm-hmm. Um, and a culmination of everything. Great. I want to recommend human beings everywhere to walk 10,000 steps per day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yo, like, That's listen. like a Japanese thing, is it? It's not just a Japanese thing, man. I think it's really just like a human thing. Yeah. Like, everybody mm-hmm. should walk 10,000 steps a day or at least try to. Yes. You know, like, this isn't like some <laughs> pseudoscience. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's just logical. Like, modern humans spend more time sitting than moving mm-hmm. because That's of work, true. because of TV, because of technological advancement and transportation. So we, but we're not built that way. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, we were, were we were hunter and gatherers. You know what I mean? Even when we became sufficient with agriculture, we had to move to eat, to survive. But now we don't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Like, you holla at Seamless, the food is delivered to yeah. your doorsteps. And you know that movie Wall-E? I was Disney just movie? going to say yeah, that. That shit is prophetic, I, oh, man. That shit is some prophecy shit. Like how, new world. How humans are going to just roam around in like flying wheelchairs and we just get fat. Mm. It's really and happening. Your bones, it's like, just really happening, despair. man. You don't need a Fitbit, G. Like on the iPhone, there's, the, uh, there's a health app that comes along with the phone that you can't erase. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And um, it, it tracks your steps as long as the phone is on you and, you know, as long as you have it on you yourself. Like the, the 10,000 step science, man, I don't think it's I don't think it's like some fucking conspiracy theory or some like, you know, some hippie health shit, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I heard that it did get popularized in Japan yeah. because of this uh, pedometer that yeah. they created called Mambogi. Or mambogi, they call it. Oh. But in Korean, it's the same shit. Mambogi. Like, mambogi literally means 10,000 steps meter. Like, you know what I mean? And physicians say, oh, like, it prevents you from, like, chronic heart disease, diabetes, if you strive to walk 10,000 steps. But, like, no shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need a physician to figure <laughs> this shit out. Like, it's just logic. Like, your blood circulates better when you move. And when you move, your heart, like, pumps more blood and then washes away all the clogged bad shit in your body, and it, you just feel more balanced. And, you know, if you are a person who believes in chi, I do, or energy, the circulation yes. of energy. Yes. Like, if you move, you just digest food better, right? You burp better. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you strive to take a piss more. You know, like, all of that is all, like, yeah. interconnected. Mm-hmm. And I must say, because I'm from L.A. originally, it's... 
I did not walk as much, but and I think I walk and a it, lot. No, no, that shit is built. That shit is yeah. a system that is created. You know why? Yeah. You know why? Because people like outside of the East Coast, like they don't have. Well, outside of like the Northeast, yeah, there isn't that many opportunities for people to walk. Because yeah, it's all cars. It's the the reason why is because your highways were built because of companies like Ford mm. lobbied. To create highways, mm-hmm. and then the modern housing system was really created because they want people to be distant from each other, so they could drive the cars. And the houses are built purposely that big, so they could mm. fill them shits with shit. Yeah, and it's wow. all like really c- constructed in the 20th century. I mean, people might say, "Oh, like J.K. Oh yo, conspiracy God, theory, like yo, preach, brother, <laughs> no, like you're like talking sense. about all these facts." But like, nah, it really is. I mean, even like, um. Like, think about it, right? Like, in L.A., right? Like, you don't need that much space for humans to survive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't need to be driving two hours to get to point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, a human being does not need that much travel time to do shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially in a fucking metal vehicle the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And, like... There's definitely, like, a love affair, like people have with their cars in LA. Yeah, like and, they and, but most it's like of a America. second home. It's most a of second America, home. Yeah. You know, it's like that most anywhere outside of New York, Boston and Philadelphia, I would say, and Washington DC, it's pretty common for everybody to have cars mm-hmm. in America. Yeah, yeah. But if you go to like Italy, so, mm-hmm. you go to like parts of Europe, the cities are not built that way. You know, yeah. they're a lot more like some people might say congested, but they're built a lot more functionally for a person to walk to the supermarket or the market to pick up their groceries to walk home, cook, eat, go back out and maybe grab a cup of espresso. Yeah, like, for sure. Like 10 minutes like walking in New York is like much more stimulating and enjoyable than like the desolate LA. Exactly. Yeah, because everything's but, so but it was far apart. purposely uh, yeah. constructed that mm-hmm. way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, yo, like Americans say like, oh, like I need to fucking like Work get out. on this diet pill. Mm-hmm. Like I need to hit the gym, but I got to drive 30 minutes to the gym to fucking even do a 30 minute <laughs> exercise, yeah. which doesn't not make any sense to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. But on that note, you know, Check it, is, it, is, it is pretty much a privilege that we do live in like yeah. a metropolitan city that allows you to like walk mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you are a person who is in that type of environment, you should really take advantage of that. Yeah. And I'm, I think I just checked my health app and I'm only at six thousand, so I have four thousand right. to go. I mean, last year I was able to like clock in ten thousand steps per day on the average. Oh wow. this year my average is like less than eight thousand so far. I mm. mean it's already May and yeah. I'm kinda slacking this year. Mm-hmm. But I really need to boost that up, you know? Okay. And like even if it's not ten thousand, I've said you have to strive to t- strive strive to reach ten thousand. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna have to clock in ten thousand every day because yeah. that shit it does you know mount up. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like it's a it good does amount take of time. walking. It, t- yeah. it does take time, but I just think it's logical, and I want to recommend every human being out there to really get on that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that's really a gem. So many gems in there, Jakey. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, America sucks. <laughs> ten. T- <laughs> no, I love Just America. Kidding. I love America, man. God bless America. And because I love America so much, this is why I'm like recommending all fat people or any human beings in general to walk more. Yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get to it. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yo. Um, I'm 
I'm not gonna be transparent about what day of the year it is because I don't want y'all to know uh, when these podcasts are actually being made. But uh, we have my friend and friend of many other friends, personal trainer and physical therapist, and overall just a great guy who knows a whole lot of deal about staying healthy and looking great and being in shape. Uh, my friend Ryan Chow is in the building. Welcome, Ryan. Guys, pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. Ryan, how you feeling, man? I'm great. It's a beautiful day. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sunny weather. A little chilly, but yeah, yeah. Ready to share a little knowledge. Uh-huh. Hang out with you guys. Yeah, man. Yo, so uh, this is 6.99 per pound podcast. We um we welcome everybody, but we definitely like to hear the stories of people of color and especially like people like ourselves. Like usually immigrants or people that you know are in particular professions that are um not necessarily something that people really expect us to see so i kind of want to just go into um how did you like come about you know what i mean mm-hmm. like what was your genesis mm-hmm. you know when you got when you hatched out of the egg you know what i mean <laughs> what kind of individual were you you know what <laughs> i mean so tell us about like your early childhood man where did you grow up uh so Born and raised in Queens. Well, technically born in the city, but born and raised in Queens. And uh, I basically, I mean, my parents are Chinese, the immigrants. Uh, and I hung out in Flushing uh, as a young child growing up. And then, you know, I, every parent pushes you to specialize high school. So, you know, I'm studying science and all this stuff, not knowing what I want to do. And then he played a lot of sports, you know, hanging out at the park, playing basketball, all that stuff. So I had a really big love for sports. Uh, my NBA career got cut short with my with my height. Otherwise, I would have made it. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, you know, so I, you know, obviously I wasn't going to be like a pro athlete, but I wanted to stay around the sports and all that stuff. So it's like yeah, I had a summer job, at, um, you know, as a physical therapist, right, 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 uh, aid, right. So as a student, and that's kind of how I got into that. But I wasn't really thinking about that honestly. I was just hanging out, trying to uh, have fun, like be uh, be know. a jock. Were you a jock? Nah, 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 not 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 a jock. But I used to like cut class to like play basketball in the gym. Like I just really liked the sports. I would like. You know, watch NBA games, grew up watching the Knicks, all that stuff. So I just like that stuff. And Damn, just that's out. miserable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, but, uh, it was, it was fun. But nah, yeah. but but so I, I know you went to Bronx Science, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like jo- JoJo's from uh, from the West Coast. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, do, y'all, do y'all have? Nah, wait, say what? Nah, hold up. Mm-hmm. Take that back. <laughs> Yo, let's just cut that shit out. Um, <laughs> Do, did you, do you guys have, like, specialized high schools um, over there? Like, you guys need to take tests to get into? Yeah, we have, like, Troy High. Kind of like, I guess that would be an equivalent. Or, I mean, don't uh, come for me if it's not. Okay. But we definitely do. Okay. But I okay. feel like the New York City school hierarchy in, in terms of, like, the high schools, it's so concentrated. I've never had people been so curious about like what high schools you go to like it, mm. i feel like in new york city like if you say you're from there they're very curious about that right because um, yeah. there's like a hierarchy there's like a system right it's, right. it's more it's more like who's your crew basically right basically <laughs> yeah like so it's kind of like what's the stereotype of bronx science well bronx science is usually at least during my generation because ryan's a few years older than me like during my generation it was like the asian kids that was like kind of like smart you know, they kinda? really kind of kind of smart, but they were also a little bit goony. You know what I mean? Like the kids were wild out because it was all the way in the Bronx. 
you know? Yeah, like they were kind of like a little bit thuggish. You know what I mean? They were a little bit thuggish compared to like the Stuyvesant kids. Like the Stuyvesant kids were like, like, you know, you, you like Stuyvesant kids were like the kids that you could like take lunch money from during middle school. Bronx Science kids were kind of like, kind of thuggish kids but like their parents were mass strict and then they would copy the homework from the Stuyvesant kids oh. <laughs> and then they would get into Bronx mm, science and yeah. then the Brooklyn uh. Brooklyn tech kids were kind of like yo Price you just you just you just immigrated to like you just immigrated to America but you studied hard but you couldn't get into Stuyvesant or Bronx science mm-hmm. and you got into Brooklyn tech so, uh, it, it, so where'd you well, go? It's, it's, I, mean, I got into Brooklyn Tech, but then I got suspended from my middle school. So my pops was like, now nah, you're going to a private school. Oh. So that was my situation. But I think that's uh, not a it's a somewhat accurate representation. I mean, definitely most of my friends at Bronx Science were smart enough to do probably whatever they wanted in their life, but probably not so smart that they got into Stuyvesant, meaning they were probably messing around or valued different things. So. Yeah, I definitely had a lot of interesting adventures during Bronx Science. And I mean, studying was never on my mind. I mean, most people don't know, but I pretty much, I barely graduated out of Bronx Science. And I didn't get into any colleges coming out of school. Like, I got rejected from uh, literally everything. So I went to community college uh, for a year and a half after Bronx Science because I couldn't get into any school. So... Uh, but turns out community college is easier than even Bronx Science was. So when I went over there, I was still messing around. I had a 4.0 or pretty much close to a 4.0. So I was able to just transfer to Michigan and do whatever. So uh, I, I was fortunate in that sense. But at the same time, I wasn't – I still didn't appreciate that, that that happened. So when I got to Michigan, I was still messing around. Like I barely graduated from Michigan too, so – Damn, so you were just constantly messing around. Yeah, I was I was not an adult for a long time, like which, you know, in a lot of ways looking back at it, I think it's fueled the way I am now. Like I got you know, the I got everything out of my system, blah, blah, blah. But it really there were a lot of growing pains that really changed that the way I look at the world and then how kind of I operate now and why where I value, you know, my efforts and my time and all that stuff. So yeah, it all kind of feeds into one another, but... So so what was the transition like? Because, you know, in high school, you know, uh, being like an Asian-American kid from Flushing or f- being from Queens, you know, go, you go to Bronx Science, you know, like there are cer- certain type of situations that you're going to always ba- end up in, you know, like especially during that time, while out in the park, smoking Newports, <laughs> going to bakeries and going to pool halls and all that type of situations and you get into small stupid beefs with other crews and yeah, 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 whatever yeah. you know you get it's into those biography situations biography by Jackie Cho. yeah like it's basically like the biography of many kids mm. from that era you know it's true yeah. and then you know you go to college and you just said like going to community college you know not not taking any shots to people that go to community college but like it just you know especially within the asian you know, like amongst the moms and the parents, they're like, they kind of look at you like, what? Yeah. What's wrong with you? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't get into a CUNY? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, they kind of look like, at you like that. So, what was that transition like from going there to all the way to Michigan? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's kind of like where, where Asian parents value education so much. It's like the most shameful thing you could do to like go to a community college, especially after you go to, you know, a good school. The expectations are high, but. Uh, Michigan was a huge, you know, a huge blessing in my life. Like, I got away from all my friends that I grew up with. I still love. So, like, like uh, you know, it, 
it just was a chance for me to see the world in a different way because none of my friends at Michigan were even from, not a lot of them from New York. So you meet people from like, I had a good friend, he's from India. One of my roommates is from Korea. Uh, you know, you meet people from the Midwest, you meet people from out West Coast. So, you know, you kind of just see the world differently, how everybody's spending their summers. All my friends back home would be doing very similar things, you know. Uh, but then all my friends in Michigan, they're doing completely different things, like getting jobs at like crazy firms and all these things. And I'm like, you know, I wasn't doing that stuff, but I was thinking about it. I was like, wow, like expectations are completely different. Values are completely different. And it kind of opened me up. So that was a pivotal I guess, experience, even though I spent like, what, $160,000 in tuition, and I pretty much had to retake all my courses, you know, financially, it doesn't sound like a good move, but I don't think I could replace that experience of getting out of, you know, that closed circle of, you know, your New York friends. And like you said, not, taking nothing away from people who went to CUNYs and SUNYs and stuff like that, like, but you're kind of going to school with people who are where you're from so you're not it's just like the same thing in a different like place like an extension yeah yeah, yeah yeah so you don't you know it didn't really affect you and change you as much as it could have so I completely understand why people spend time and money and value kind of that college experience because it's not really about the education at that point unless you know you're, you're studying to become like a very specialized thing but yeah it's just the the liberal arts growth mind state of you know being well educated well rounded and that kind of thing yeah word did you feel like you were lost? Probably. I mean, uh, probably not like actively looking back at it. I know I was, but back then, that's not what I was thinking. I just wanted to, I mean, I just applied to the best schools with the best sporting programs. It was furthest away from my house. I mean, I didn't even finish my other applications once I got into Michigan. It was like a rolling application. I was doing like a whole bunch of other schools, and then I just stopped. I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm going. And then I just... Like, I just packed up my bags and left. Like, I never even been there, and I just flew over there. I had a friend. She found me a place, and then, uh, yeah, just. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, yo. Yeah. So what made you wanted to go into the field of health and um, sports for your uh, major when you mm -hmm. went to Michigan? Um, you know, I just, I guess, I was never really, like, the workout type, honestly, which, most people now are probably look at me funny because it's you know Yo, just, you, you you very fit right now. I can tell, man. <laughs> them biceps is like growing out of your t-shirt. You gotta you gotta look the part. I don't do it. I don't. I, you know, I I do it for self research and to look the part and make people believe me. But you know, that's not like I'm not inherently a jock like you're saying. It's just like I like the sports. I like working with people, and I think that's the big part of it. Like interacting with people all day. Um, so I think the first time I thought about it is when I got a job as a physical therapy aide, like a summer thing, just like a random job. I was like, that was pretty cool. You know, you get to help people, help people feel better. It's like pretty laid back. It's pretty secure, all that stuff. Uh, so that's how I started to get into it. But, you know, going back to the Michigan thing, like I graduated, bad grades, can't get into grad school. So... So you were studying this in Michigan, but yeah. you, you graduated with bad grades. Right, right. So basically... Gotcha. Uh, I studied movement science, undergraduate degree. Can't do much with it, but... What is movement science? It's just like exercise science, right? Just okay. like how your body works and exercise works, right? But you can't, there's no real jobs with that, right? So physical therapy is graduate school. It's a doctoral degree. So you got to... It's very competitive. You got to have good grades. So I had to retake all my classes and all that stuff. But, you know, you come out of school, you got to get a job, all that stuff. So I became a personal trainer because there's nothing else I could really do. So... You know, I did it thinking, you know, I'm going to practice my 
like people skills, practice my coaching skills, stuff like that. And I ended up getting pretty decent at it. Um, and then I kind of stood out at my job. It was actually uh, a gym not too far from here. Ended up becoming uh, head recruiting manager. So I started bringing people on board, recruiting at different schools, and then mentoring uh, younger trainers, teaching them how to become uh more polished trainers, and then eventually I became a manager. Uh, but at the time, I had started physical therapy school, which was, I got into a weekend program, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I was managing a gym, training people Monday through Friday, and then I was going through school Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which was crazy, mm-hmm. uh, so, but I couldn't handle it anymore, so I, I couldn't manage anymore, so I ended up leaving, um, which was a be- blessing in disguise because I found a job somewhere else training, but during the interview, they... Uh, they asked me, they, I did so well through the interview that they asked me to become a teacher at their personal training school. So that turned into a teaching job. So I got my New York State teaching license. It's like a vocational school, so I teach people how to become trainers. And then I was going to uh, physical therapy school at the same time. So I was, like, doing everything at the time. I was all in. Uh, it was kind of crazy, though, because I remember there was a time when I did, like, 60 days straight without a break. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, like seven days back to back to back to back to back. And then it was crazy, but it was all worth it, you know. What shifted in your mind to become that disciplined and motivated uh, uh, from your Michigan thing? Uh, um, uh, I don't know. It's um, probably... It's probably some relationships in my life like made me kind of look at myself and evaluate what was motivating me, what I was doing everything for, what I valued. And then, you know, I had to kind of take a look at myself and say, you know, it wasn't getting me anywhere. So I had to stop trying to look out for myself so much and start trying to think of other people around me more. And it kind of fit in right with when I was starting in school. And that's as a healthcare provider, that's what you have to do. You have to put others' needs over your own. So it kind of all came together where I had to uh, start thinking about how to help other people. So I invested a lot of time, effort, and, you know, uh, sweat basically trying to learn about that so I can be the best person, not just for my profession, but to people around me in my life, you know? Right. So, I mean, you mentioned that um, after college, you couldn't really have a part. You couldn't go to grad school. You couldn't do, you know, like a desk job. Right. Mm -hmm. You became a um, personal trainer. But how do people become personal trainers? Like when you go to the gym, right, you go to your local gym and then, you know, they have people. um, They offer lessons. Right. So what kind of qualifications does a personal trainer need? And also, what does it even mean to be a personal trainer at a gym? Yeah, those those are awesome questions. Uh, I mean, why don't you guys tell me, what do you think the minimum requirement is to become a personal trainer? Just a guess. So, like, like, you know, for me, like, when I go to, like, my local gym, right, you have, like, a guy that just kind of teaches you how to lift weights, right? Okay, this is how you use the equipment. Right. Okay, like, okay, if you do it, like, in this form, you know, it's fucked up because you're going to hurt yourself. (laughs) And so you you have those type of guys, right? So that's kind of how... Like the basic knowledge of a personal trainer is how I perceive them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but th- by law, what what do you think the requirement is? No idea. I don't think there are. Or it. I think was it more so like the gyms, like depending on the gyms or right. different qualifications. Because right. when I went into my gym, it's like they do the assessment of like your BMI and 
Yep. And, that, and they make you run and like do all these tests and then do like, it was a lot more complicated. I for, for, like. for those of us that doesn't even know what a BMI is, what is a BMI? Oh? Body mass index. Yeah, it's basically just like they take your height and they take your weight and they just say there's a certain ratio that you should be within. You can decide whether you're over- overweight, obese, normal, underweight, whatever. That's a 699 knowledge for y'all. <laughs> <Ching>. <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, I mean, so everything you experienced when you went in to get a training session, that's pretty much a sales job, right? They're trying to show you a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and then they can try to show where their value is. So like, oh, yeah. you know, this is what you can do, and then it's like, okay, with my help, this is where I can get you. But going back to Jakey's original question is there is uh, very little barrier to entry. You don't even need a high school diploma, right? Mm-hmm. So the by law, you don't really need any education to become a personal really? trainer. Um, but by gym standards, they'll ask you a minimum of a, a certification, right? And a certification you get over a weekend. You can so do where that. do you get the certification? You go to the like the driver's license place, like and you get a certification. <laughs> um, nah, you just you just pay. You know, online you can go like buy a test, five hundred bucks. The test is you know, done on a computer or whatever, so you don't even need to physically have to do anything. So if you're like You can probably copy the test. Yeah, so if you're a fucking slob that never even used an equipment and you'd be like, yo, like, I'm gonna be a personal trainer, I could be a personal trainer? Uh, yeah, technically. Absolutely. Yep, oh my absolutely. God. Yo, what right. the fuck? Yeah, so that's so bullshit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I teach at a school, and the day one, that's what we teach them, right? Mm. I, I, you know, I usually present it like. You know, I ask the class, and the class go, you know, I usually just tell them, like, you just have to know how to say the words personal and trainer right next to each other. That's all you need, right, to become a personal trainer. Holy shit. Oh, my yeah. God. So, so most my people. Is blown. <laughs> yeah, most people who exercise themselves and work out a lot and look good are going to be able to, you know, look the part and sell the services. So that's, that's who usually becomes a trainer. But I always t- try to tell people your job, your number one job is communication because you're not trying to be more fit yourself. You're trying to get somebody else fit, right? And that's that's the, the best way to do that. The only way to do it is you have to be able to communicate what you need them to do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a lot of nonsense, and that's why there's a lot of garbage training out there. But that's also why I teach because I took a pay cut to teach, and I mm-hmm. still do that to, right now because I think the standard needs to improve because – I just have a good grasp about the state of wellness in the country, uh, what what the public needs, what's going on, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's why I do that. It's just crazy because, like, so I, I through my company, I go to, like, a really good gym, but... What is a really good gym? Like, like is Blank or Equinox? Is, are those considered yeah, really Equinox. good? <laughs> Equinox. <laughs> Equinox. 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 Yeah. Um, is, is it Equinox or yeah, Equinox? Equinox? Oh, shit, my yeah, fault. That's how Kanye West says it. I can't, I can't afford it, so I don't know how to say it. You know? <laughs> okay, so I, I, say, I say Versace. Right. I don't say Versace. <laughs> um, but, like, a couple of my friends took the personal training. I did it myself as well, but, like, we all felt like I don't think we got injured, but one of them actually um, had to see a chiropractor after because of the training was mm. so hard. And it, it, I think it something happened with her spine and we're just kind of like, this is the most expensive gym in New York City. And the trainers aren't even training people, right? Like maybe they have a bunch of Instagram followers or like they're, they definitely look like a trainer, but it's like you're getting someone to lift something that they can't handle. Or yeah, I just felt like there was some 
black box situation in terms of the barrier to entry to training. They were just faking the funk, man. (laughs) Y'all got food. (laughs) I know. Bunch of quacks, yo. Bunch of quacks. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) there's definitely uh, a lot of people who, I mean, uh, most people who do that stuff like training, they try, I mean, they have have good intentions, right? They're trying to help people. They want to do those things. But the reality is to be effective and safe, you really have to have a decent amount of background information or at least be dedicated enough to learn it as you go and just kind of be responsible. If you try to do right by people, I think most people, because there's a lot of trainers with not a lot of good education who are great, right? They're really good at training. And as a physical therapist, uh, you know, a lot of my thought is that trainers have been getting so smart and so good that now physical therapists and physicians and doctors are learning from the strength and conditioning world. Uh, so, you know, it's not to say that every trainer is, is awful. Uh, I actually know a lot of trainers who are probably better physical therapists than some physical therapists out there. So, you know, it really depends on each individual. But, mm-hmm. yeah, as an industry, it's completely unregulated because, I mean, the way my first job out of school, the reason why I took it is because they required you to have an exercise science degree. So it at least made me feel like I was, you know, doing what I tr- was trained to do. But the reality is... Um, all the people at Equinox, they're doing sales jobs, not training jobs, because yeah. they're incentivized to sell training packages. Right? Oh Equinox, shots fired. Well, but that's everybody. Well, it's everybody, right? It's not Equinox. It's the whole training industry. It, it, that's how it evolved into it, right? So we if just you go to a, a, a what's it called, a pl- Planet Fitness. Yeah, because they terrify you into being like you're a ball of fat. And like you need us, like you yeah. need the situation. Nah, because yo, they use all them. They they take all that money and put it in ad dollars and use right. models. And exactly. To something. Yeah, man. Um, I'm gonna go there after this. So this, <laughs> is, this is like so sad. No, 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 no. I mean, look. I mean, I don't wanna. It's, I'm not trying to like just shit on everybody's no. like what, what they're doing, but but basically, you're saying like as an industry, it's definitely not regulated, and there's not a particular standard. Right. Like a guideline that's like implemented by and law. And you want to be holding right, to right, it. Right, right, right. And it, people are incentivized to make sales. In other words, you can be the worst trainer, but if you make you make the most sales, then you're considered the best trainer in mm. the eyes of the gym, right? Mm. So the reason why I took my job over there is because the the tagline that they said to me that really got me was like, you know, you don't have to worry about the sales stuff. So you went to school to become a trainer, so we're going to make you train Whereas if you go somewhere else, you know, you can't train anybody if you're not selling packages. So you're prospecting. They don't – so you basically have to go out there and be like a used car salesman and just try to find people to, mm. you know, to train. So that's why they roam around the floors giving you all these, like, assessments that make you uncomfortable and stuff like yeah. that. No, nah, 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 I, I could vouch, uh, you know, there's a lot of validity in what Ryan's saying. Sorry to cut you off, Joe, but – uh, because when I was asking him, like, yo, can you, like, help me out a little bit? And he was like, yo, son, you can't really afford me, but uh, I'm going to look out for you. I'm going to look oh out for goodness. you. And then I'm going to look out for you. And help? then, and then you know, we're just going to do, like, 10 lessons. And then afterwards, you just take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Because he wasn't like, yo, son, you fucking fat. Like, you got to, you know what I mean? Like, you got to, like, come through with the package. Like, like he was like, nah, like. I'm, I'm going to try to just tell, teach you some basics and then, you know, you go Empowering, on, young, young yeah. grasshopper, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you definitely said, jo- JoJo said the right word, empowerment, right? That's that's really what I believe in as both a trainer and a physical therapist. Like, I, you, you have to 
play whatever role that person needs, right? So a lot of people, they need someone to teach them stuff. A lot of people need to be held accountable. A lot of people, you know, they just want to say that they do training, whatever it is. But I just look at what somebody needs. I try to provide it for them. But if it were up to me, I would just empower each person to be active on their own because that's the only thing that's going to work in the long run, right? There's no there's no way I'm going to be able to guide uh, you 100% if you're not invested. So I got to teach people how to do things. And the truth is you take, try to take care of people and it all works out because I try to kick people out the door all the time, whether they're patients or training clients, and they keep coming back because they know I have their best interest in mind. And the truth is the, there's a line out the door because, you know, not everybody operates that way. Yeah. And, you know, I've done my market research and, you know, exponential growth in wellness. People are spending time and money on this. They care about it. So uh, I operate from a place of security because I understand where the market is. People want these services, so I don't need to act desperately. Mm-hmm. You know? So if I, I mean, or if anyone who's listening, they're seeking personal training or guidance, like how can they navigate it in an educated manner? So they're not just like, because people usually, I, th- I think at the gym, match you up with someone or they ask you what you're looking for, but they're usually like personality type or um, male yeah, or that's, female. That's some like match.com. Like, <laughs> yeah, coffee, yeah, coffee no, like kind of, well, how do you work well? And like, I think those questions are valid, but are there it's questions like, does that the trainer like, have blonde hair? Uh, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> how big JP, is his pecs? Um, so how, if I were to like approach it, can I ask like smart questions so I kind of filter out maybe... Um, or the, the bullshit. Yeah, the sellers yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe find the Ryans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the probably the most the biggest telltale sign is years experience because a lot of people, uh, you know, they'll go – it's like kind of a revolving door at the bottom of the training world. It's like a lot of people try it. You know, if they suck at it, they end up leaving. So yeah, I like that, man, revolving uh, door at the it, bottom of the training it, world. It, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's that. the truth, you know? But um, – People who've been around for a while, they know what they're doing, you know, just like anything else. That's the same thing I would tell a family member if they're meeting a, a doctor or trainer, the same thing. It's like, if you're training me to run, how many people have you trained to run before? How many years have you been doing this? If you're training me to get for a, you know, a physique competition or a uh, obstacle course race or whatever it is, how many times have you done this before? How many, pe- how many years have you been doing this? I think that's the biggest telltale sign because, I mean, I can throw out the names of a bunch of certifications and all that stuff, but... I don't think it really necessarily defines a person's ability to help you. So most people are afraid to ask those kinds of things, but you kind of have to if you're going to pay sure. those. You know, yeah. it's a lot of money, right? Hey, yo, and on top of that, it's your, it's, your, it's your body, man. It ain't like, you know, I'm just buying like a fucking piece of shit phone <laughs> on like Canal yeah. Street. Like, nah, it's like, yo, it's like my health. You know what I'm saying? Of course I have yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nah, for real. Uh, there's a, Honestly, there's a lot of uh, overlap with all these people. So... In the past, it would be like everybody's kind of in their own silos and everybody does their own thing. They have their own education systems. But now today, it's all we're figuring out that everything from diet to training to PT to whatever, it all kind of overlaps. So everyone's kind of cross-pollinating. They're sharing information. People have less of a silo approach. And that's kind of just starting and budding now. But I think that's where the future is. So. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's no one person who, who will do everything or be awesome at everything, but, you know, some people uh, will, like someone like me or someone who's uh, had a 
history. There's a lot more people who are PTs who have a history of exercise and working out and all that stuff. And that's kind of like a new breed of like PTs who are a little more inclusive with instead of just kind of being reactive like uh, practitioners that uh, help people when they're injured. So they kind of do more full service, mm. top to bottom stuff, kind of stuff I did with you. Right, so right. So do you have like – because you're holistic, right? So do you have, like, a physical therapy package or a personal training package, like, two-in-one package? Like, how do you – because I – and J.K., what kind of things did you approach him with? And right. How? So I, I felt like the way he approached me uh, – not, not the other way around. The way I asked him was, like, yo, like, I have a little bit of, like, a shoulder pain right here, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I did because I think I worked out a little bit, you know, incorrectly. So – he was just like, all right, so what we're going to do, we're going to strengthen this by doing exercises that, you know, involves that. And then, and I was like, yo, but I also want to, like, you know, make my butt look better. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, like, I want to have, I I have a little bit more strength in my core. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So I want to, so he was like, all right, so let me figure out. Like, so he basically kind of went through this process of telling me all these different techniques that it was like, okay, it was not only like kind of like helping me to get better, but also like preventive and also, it was very like holistic as a whole, you know what I mean? Like everything was, I, I mean, did I, did I describe it in a coherent and make sense, logical way? Yeah, yeah, I mean, basically, I don't really separate training and PT if I don't have to. In other words, uh, I just try to, again, I just try to provide solutions. So, you know, him getting stronger and him having shoulder pain and all these things are all going to be related in terms of how they're going to affect what he does and in terms of how he's going to reach his goals. So I don't really, sometimes I don't even tell people I'm a physical therapist, you know, when people oh. have problems mm-hmm. because it causes problems with expectations because then it, they start to match their previous experiences or understanding of physical therapy. Uh, and then they start to expect those things out of me, which sometimes I don't agree with. So I don't even tell people what I do. I just ask them what their problem is, and I show, you know, if I can solve it, I show them that I can solve it, and then I just get them to, uh, then I guide them through the process. So, uh, yeah, I, I just pretty much ask people what their their goals are, uh, difficulties getting over those goals, what are the obstacles have been, and fears and worries and all those things, and then I just look at their Everything from, you know, how many hours a week they can spare to location to uh, what they like, what they don't like, all those things. I just consider the, everything about a person, uh, and then I try to provide a solution that kind of will work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, people just pay me for my time. They don't really pay me based on whatever service it is. Mm, okay. So speaking of problems, I have problems with me. <laughs> <laughs> talk to us. Talk to us. <laughs> Talk to us, yo. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, I no, you're not. What did you do for your butt? <laughs> no, what did you do? What did you? Um, nah, nah. So he was. Diagnosed <laughs> okay. with JK. So, so how's his butt condition? Yeah, so my for my buttocks, the shape of my buttocks, you know, because he was just like, yo, you know what? He didn't specifically say that. I was just, you know, like for y'all listeners out there, man, don't get too horny, ladies. You know what I mean? Um, I think we're fine. Okay. Okay. Um, nah. So he was telling me. Uh, like to use kettlebells to use particular techniques with like a lot of core, you know, a lot of uh, a, a lot of in the pelvic region. You know what I mean? Like a lot. Of, so not because because you know it sounds funny, but it, it made total sense because if you have a strong core, everything aligns itself, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, am I getting yeah. it the right way? Right? Because yeah, yeah. it's really about your posture, you know. So it's really about your posture, and if you have more strength around your stomach area, which I kind of lack lately. 
you know, because I'm kind of getting a gut. Um, everything else kind of aligns itself. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that's kind of how he was training me, like, okay, using the kettlebell. And then he was teaching me some, like, you know, really interesting techniques, uh, um, the Turkish get-up, right, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I did wearing boxes in the crib, and my girl was just <laughs> laughing her ass <laughs> off. Like, she was like, yo, I'm going to put this shit on blast, yo. You don't, really, you, don't, you, you don't know how much funny this shit is to me. So, anyways, you know, but I be doing that shit, you know. Um, but, yeah, like, that kind of leads into the next question for me. Mm-hmm. Did, I, did that answer your question, Joanne? Um, we'll have to go outside and see your button person okay. to see if it works, right, right, and you'll right, have cool. to show us in person. Cool, cool. But I'll I think try. I'm good. Yeah. I'll try. No, but so this kind of leads into the next question, right? So if you could like kind of talk to us about like the you know the current the trends and the evolvement, and why did you think why do you think like some of those older techniques um, it just is not really as applicable as before? Um, I think so. At the time, I was explaining to you like. And you were talking about, like, oh, I do, like, back and buys day and this and that. And, I'm, and there's nothing wrong with that. That stuff still works depending on what your goals are. But uh, I was referring to basically the bodybuilding culture of the 80s, right? That's how they did everything, right? There's a lot of steroids, a lot of, uh, you know, you do chest day. You know, Monday is International Bench Press Day, right? So, and then everybody I, know, is, I, know, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> uh, but, no, just basically the idea of just... Uh, exercising the body in different parts, but in the rea- reality, your your body doesn't move like that, right? Your brain doesn't recognize separate muscles the way we train them to. So, the science shows that you know you gotta use your body and train it as a whole. And you you move you do movement patterns. You you don't do muscle movements, right? So uh, I tried to uh, kind of get you out of that mind state of organizing it that way and try to try to frame it for you as a, more of a practice instead of a workout, right? Because, uh, you know, if you turn it into that, you're, you're doing these, you know, I give you two or three, just boil it down to the things that matter. Give you two or three exercises that will get you the results that you need. It'll help you focus on learning and understanding how your body works, how your body responds to different training. And uh, so basically, I just tried to shift your mind state from that perspective. And then, yeah, I mean, the, the 80s stuff, if you want to be a bodybuilder, it's still good. But most of the time when I, you know, when I asked your goals, you, didn't, you weren't necessarily saying stuff that you need to do bodybuilding to achieve. And especially considering your injury and all that stuff. So I just tried to choose the thing that I felt like, you know, because there's a thousand ways to, to get there. But I just tried to choose the way that would make it simplest, right? So we had a time frame of 10, 10 uh, appointments. I, I basically said, well, if I'm going to teach you 75 exercises and 10 v- visits, you know, you're not going to be able to take that and run with it. So I tried to teach you two or three things that would be impactful. And then from there, but, you know, it depends on what your, who you are, what your goals are, how much time I have with you. I'm going to change it according to that. But, yeah, like, um, you know, like the CrossFit thing, right? Like that works for some people. And, you know, they do uh, lift weights in there and everything, but they they do everything, right? They do gymnastics, they do weightlifting, they do... Lift tires and all that yeah, type of all, crazy Yeah, all that stuff, right? And so, it, you know, it really depends uh, what you what you want, but we, we've basically figured out there's better ways to do things. Uh, and exercise science, to be honest, is a very young... Uh, field of study, right? If you if you ask your parents, like, was there such a thing as exercise science degree in college back in the day? There wasn't, right? It didn't exist. And honestly, right now, it's still we're still sorting it out because it's not the education isn't as 
good as it can be, right? There's a lot of stuff you learn in school that's nonsense. that doesn't apply to anything you do. Like, I always tell my students at the personal training school that they get a better education to become a trainer than I did. And I spent four years and I spent a lot more money, but they're going to come out with more applicable knowledge than I had. Uh, so, I mean, it's evolving for sure. So what is your routine? What do you do? What, what like, do you in the week? What in a week? Mm-hmm. For your own personal exercises? So Monday is bench press day. <laughs> International. <laughs> Uh, so right now I'm just I'm training for a kettlebell test. So I just do that daily. It's like I test. Uh, there's uh, some certifications where you have to pass uh, coaching tests and a physical test. So I have to be able to do something called a kettlebell snatch a hundred times in five minutes with a 53 pound weight. So and they're very high standards of of uh, you can only get like I think two no counts. So two of them where you did it wrong. Uh, if you get more than two of them with bad form, then you fail the test automatically. If you can't finish in five minutes, you fail. Uh, so, yeah. well, so actually, <laughs> um, okay, so I've always seen, like, kettlebells here and there in different gyms, but, you know, the old the gym that I go to right now out in um, out in Queens and Francis Lewis Boulevard, they don't have no kettlebells, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a bodybuilding type of gym. So mm-hmm. um, tell us about, like, the the proliferation of like kettlebell workout regimen and like when did it start and why do you think it's so effective uh, that you want to even get a vocational like like a what is it you it's say, a certification certification yeah, yeah. yeah um I mean to be clear it's not the only thing that I do or believe in I just it's just kind of the flavor of the month kind of thing uh, I think I think it started in like 2001 a Russian guy named Pavel Satsalin brought it he's I think he used to train the KGB. And he oh, used it. And, okay. And so, they, yeah, that's official. I right. <laughs> say no more. Yeah, and they brought him, I think they brought it, the U.S. military, I think, brought him in to train, uh, update their kind of training practices. But he's a really smart dude. He's learned with and taught a lot of my, like, my rehab mentors who are, like, world leaders and what they do. And they, they started sharing information about these are the techniques that they use for, like, you know, Russian weightlifting or like strength building skills, breathing techniques, all this stuff. On some Rocky shit? Yeah, yeah, all kinds of, yeah, like Drago. Yeah, yeah. He built Drago with his hands. Nah, for real. (laughs) Even Um, his hairstyle. (laughs) Nah, so so that started like 2001. So, I mean, it's been around for a while, but um, I mean, this is one of a few things that I, you know, I work on. Okay, so you said like flavor of the month, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are obviously like crazes or certain equipment that... Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, the trend yeah. that I right. believe it will probably be trending in your circle, not just like the mass circle. Right. Right. Are there like who decides those trends? Like, are there like certain journals or publications or just like, like where do these? What is like the Vogue? What's the Vogue yeah. of like physical personal therapy, training? Or, like, personal that you training read world? Trust. Uh, yeah. I guess. I mean, right now in the training world, it's all about what group classes are popular. And none of the group classes are really anything new from an exercise standpoint. It's just the customer experience thing, right? Because if you break it down spinning, you're just on a bike, right? But it's the music, the atmosphere, all that stuff is why people go back to the social aspect of it. Same thing with CrossFitting. CrossFitting. So group classes like what? SoulCycle. That type yeah, of shit, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, and okay. you have everything from like CrossFit. CrossFit is just a bunch of different disciplines programmed together in a social way which is a great thing because it's gotten so many people to learn about those things and do those things but uh none of the things that are in vogue are really new nothing's really new it's just presented differently right uh in the rehab world that's a little bit i think a little bit more driven by research studies about what actually helps people and things like that so those are uh 
probably made popular by the leaders, uh, people who are the educators uh, in the, in those worlds, the experts in each kind of industry. So uh, that's a little different. But yeah, in terms of, I mean, it's always evolving. The, the the people who are good are the people who are willing to evolve, right? It's people who kind of trap themselves into dogmas and, and kind of uh, one-track mind and just like, this is the only way to do things, this is the best way to do things. Because if you check like all my social media stuff from a few years ago, everything was barbell, 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 lift heavy weights. Mm. And then, you know, you see it kind of evolve. And for me, it's, I don't plan on stopping learning mm. or sticking to one thing. It's just the more I can broaden my skill set, the more tools I have to relate to people. Because if Jakey didn't like uh, respond well to kettlebells, then I would have to pivot, right? And the more options I have, the more people I can reach. So for me, it's just learning as much as possible. That's tight. So, um, I mean, so yeah, now you just mentioned, so it's, you know, so bar, like kettlebell is not the only truth. You no. believe in multiple. No, 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 right, not at all. That's, that's, an, that's an implement, right? Yeah, yeah. That's just the tool. The body is the body. And that's right. why I don't call myself a physical therapist or a personal trainer and all this stuff. Like my mentor is a chiropractor, and I like we're supposed to compete with chiropractors. PTs and chiropractors kind of usually don't get along because we overlap so much, and uh, usually they're everyone's bashing each other. But uh, my chiropractor, like my mentor, is a chiropractor, and he's probably the best rehab specialist I've, uh, you know, that's around, right? So uh, him and some other leaders that I've learned from, they don't care whether you're this or that. They just care if you're smart enough willing enough to help people and I've kind of adopted that kind of mm. approach like it doesn't really matter what I am to I mean as long as I'm within what I'm within the law with I'm as long as I'm not breaking any rules uh, and I can help people then whatever you need you know right, right. yeah so um, do you do you have anything do you, were you about to say San Joe um, I just have so many questions. No, 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 no. Like, hold up so let me uh, um, I, I just have um actually not nah, I think all the um intricate industry oriented questions that I have I think it's pretty much like good for me for now but mm -hmm. do you have you know some personal questions about like how to like shake yourself for My the shake summertime myself? <laughs> <laughs> okay well I've been obsessed with bar lately yep. bar like yep. the yep. barber like pole like you okay, you asked me this last week no, again. No, I told no, it's no, not no. a pole <laughs> okay. well I guess it is because you know that pole I exercise is like really not even on some like yo shout out to all the strippers out there but like <laughs> you know like isn't it kind of like a craze right now amongst like a lot of women it, are partaking like, in it? it I think it's based in like ballet right. so it's like yeah. micro movement of your muscles Right. And uh, we use like a bar, like bar, aka okay. it looks like, you know, just like an isolated pole and then right. you use it. But not so much like we don't lift with it or anything. It's just to like support us while we do these micro movements. Okay. So that's what I've been obsessed with. But um, yeah, but when I went to bar class, it wasn't really, I was imagining like swan leg situation. <laughs> but it was like Beyonce music. It's like pop in and like we do bar like the last five minutes and it's like this isn't technically bar but uh, I don't even know what my question was but is bar legit you think? Yeah, yeah. So basically that was yeah. your question. <laughs> no, I every, yeah, it was know, bar legit. Uh, everything is, to me everything is legit if it, if, cause, cause the, the overarching, keeps you going. Yeah, exactly. The overarching thing is uh, people need to move, right? So uh, nowadays life is too convenient so we have to f go out of our way to gyms and classes to I mean most of our bodies bones and muscles right and we kind of just ignore that because we don't need to use those things anymore but now people go to whatever class keeps you going 
is what you should do. And that's kind of my thought and feeling is, you know, when I was younger, I used to be like, oh, this this class isn't good or that isn't good or whatever. Like, this is better. But then I realized, uh, like one of the guys I learned from, he, he was saying, you know, we have all these smart trainers, we have all these classes, we have all this knowledge and research and all this stuff, but we haven't been able to put a dent in uh, the cardiovascular problems we have in the world. What right? is what, what cardiovascular problems? What is that? It's the number one killer in the U.S. and in the world, right? So people nowadays Ooh, another six ninety nine. <laughs> now, like, what? Talk to us about that. Yo. What, yeah, what is that? We're gonna solve world peace by the end of this. Podcast. I mean, honestly, this is uh, this is a lot of what Dalai I llama over here. <laughs> no, this is a lot of what I I try to take a you know forty thousand foot view, right? So. Mm. Uh, Yo, a lot of key words, man. Uh, <laughs> a lot. Jakey has a man crush right now, uh, Ryan. Uh, I don't know about all that, man. Nah, nah, we can't Everything say that. Everything he says, he's mesmerized. Nah, okay, okay. Go Keep on. talking. But, you know, so, like, you know, if you're going to work your, your ass off every day, you know, you got to know what you're doing for, what you know, what's kind of driving you. So my thought is I have to understand why I was busting my ass. So I just started learning, and, uh, you know, the number one killer – today in in the US and in the world is cardiovascular disease right so that's a that's a chronic disease which, which is something that you get over time right and it's usually related to your lifestyle it's not like because if you look at the history of medicine or healthcare, basically we people used to die when they were 20, right, like 200 years ago. And then we just started getting so good at medicine and surgery and all this stuff. And now mm-hmm. people are living to be 75 years old, so which is great uh, because we're able to kind of keep people alive with all this technology and stuff. But now for the first time since, like, I think 1962 or 1963, life expectancy in the U.S. has dropped for two consecutive years in a row, which means we're, the things that are killing us today are not things that are killing us in the past. So our problems now are that we're living longer, our lifespan is longer, but our health span is not good. Like, meaning we're, we're able to keep people alive, but the quality of your life is declining, right? So people mm-hmm. – uh, so we need to shift our focus from just, uh, you know – treating people reactively to be like more... Putting Band-Aids on it. Exactly. Then, like, solving Ooh. it internally. Okay. Right, right. So that's kind of where that uh, that shift in, in focus is, and that's kind of, you know, how I'm thinking about, pro- you know, solving problems and providing solutions. So, um, sorry, remind and me... And women? Sorry, I'm just... Yeah, yeah. Men and women both decreasing lifespan? Yeah, yeah, just the average... Just yeah, average lifespan in the U.S. is... So, so the reason for cardiovascular disease oftentimes... You're saying is because of lack of movement? Is yes. that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Right, because the heart pumps blood, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And if you never move around vigorously enough, then the heart doesn't have to pump blood that effectively. So anything you stop, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing, right? So your body, you know, you're giving your body the signal that it doesn't really need to do that anymore. So your body doesn't preserve the ability to do that. Yeah. Right? So basically, Americans are all fucked. Uh, <laughs> everybody, that's a dri- bleak. everybody driving you around in the first. Midwest. If you're in LA, you just driving and shit. Like you fuck basically. Uh, you gotta all walk basically. You motherfuckers just need to walk more. Uh, I mean, yeah, hopefully more intense than walk, right? Because yeah. we we kind of probably like this because we had to like hunt and you know move around and all that stuff. And now we don't do that anymore, right? Because you can get food at the deli. You can get as as many calories as you need at the deli for really cheap. So the world is too convenient, and we've lost our need to, to be physically active. So, and now it's catching up with us. Yeah. And I think there's 
much more focus on vanity, like in terms of people want to look good. Like I have so many friends who will like go to the gym and like eat healthy or whatever, but then, you know, they're doing crazy drugs and like it's just not about <laughs> being healthy for them. It's, they just want to look good and like, you know, look like healthy, but there are not on the inside. Mm-hmm. It, in terms of when you're teaching like your PT people, like do you do you get that sense as well? And like because you said that you approach it a little differently. Like it's a holistic lifestyle change. It's not just you know a bodybuilding kind of thing. If that's your goal, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I still get people who just want to look good. Like they yeah. sh- sh- like straight up tell me like, oh yeah, I just want bigger arms or lose belly fat or whatever and then I have to educate them through the whole thing it's like you can't like live the life the way you want to live it Mm -hmm. and then kind of just sneak in a couple workouts and all of a sudden your body's going to reflect someone who looks like they they exercise all day right so what you're saying is shortcuts right exactly so I have to like your body's going to reflect what you do right so if you want to look jacked and ripped you better be moving stuff all the time right Mm. there's no there's no way around it right otherwise we would all be look that way but uh yeah i mean there's definitely that's definitely a huge driver in the growth in health and wellness but i think people just starting to see i mean the research is always you know 20 years ahead of what the socially how people behave right we've known this stuff for a long time but it just takes a while right you have to read enough new york times articles about how like you got exercise how it's good for your brain and it's good for your health it's good for this and all like, these oh yeah like yeah. this list of billionaires all do one thing mm-hmm. every day right. Right. Yeah. they all exercise yeah. like yeah mark cuban runs every 30 <laughs> minutes like what the fuck like yeah no shit like yeah. you know what i mean like yeah 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 so it takes a little while right cuz you got to keep hearing and seeing it before you kind of believe yeah. it and before you're ready to make that move but uh yeah yeah it's definitely no what's like the number one mistake that you see at the gym where you you, like look at someone you're just like damn yeah they're not doing that right you're just like damn yo you fucked up your back is fucked you know you should have hollered at me man instead of using that personal trainer you know no 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 if you when i go to the gym oh actually i don't go to like for men and women also yeah yeah um in general the biggest thing i find that people have an issue with is they're they don't understand that it's kind of a, a journey. So even beyond like a marathon, right? It's So people try to get like fit in one day. They go like they're super motivated. They're gung-ho. And then they... Yeah, the first week of the yeah, new year. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. So then they, they go super hard. They're super dedicated. But they don't realize that they're not going to get the results they want in one in one trip, right? So they need to learn that consistency is king, not intensity, right? So everything I do... When Yo, I, knowledge dart, right? <laughs> yeah, consistency one. is king, yeah. not so, intensity, yeah. You heard. So you got to get people to go, right? So when I when I advise people, same thing I did with JK is like, all right, we're gonna meet, you know, once, uh, and if you really need it, I'll meet you twice. But on the other days, you gotta at least go to the gym on your own. And it's like, oh, what do I do in the gym? It's like, I don't care what you do, just go, do mm. anything, because anything you do in there is gonna be better than you not going, right? Yeah. So I don't bog people down with too many specifics because it becomes too overwhelming. Like, go, do whatever you think is fun, whatever you're comfortable with. In the beginning, you just gotta. Uh, kind of get in the habit yeah exactly so I always try to build those things in to to what people need so in the beginning I think mistakes is people don't understand how important consistency and frequency is um, because that's how you're going to start building those habits Uh, in terms of men and women I don't know I think men and women have the same problems in terms of why they're not successful I don't think it's like a gender thing but uh, or the exercises that they do are different 
I, I think at the gym are like pretty different. Like there's a section where all the dudes are like yeah, nah, spotting you're right. each other. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like there That's are certain the spaces where I feel like I don't. I don't know if I like. Am I allowed, okay, am okay, I allowed okay. to go there? Nah, so with for, like 10, 10, <laughs> okay, so, 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 so for instance, yeah. right with the uh, advent of social media, you know, there's a lot of health craze behind it, and then you just, you know, for different, yeah, for different reasons. You know, guys follow shorties that do a lot of squats, right? <laughs> For different reasons, right? So, like, I mean, I like, what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so the concept of squat, right? Squat yeah. and all these things that revolve around squats and deadlifts and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I feel like, um, would you say, as a professional in that field, would you say has been trending a lot more within the last decade, or has it always been a popular thing? No squats. Uh, I think are definitely socially, it's more it's more trending now. Right. But people who've been doing it know that they they call squat the king of all exercises. Right? Why is that? Uh, it just engages the most amount of muscle, which makes you, you know, contract. Uh, it makes you spend more calories. It makes you get stronger for, through the whole body. So yeah, I mean, if I could choose, if I could only choose one or two exercises, you know, I'd definitely consider. Like for do if I were just to do one thing for the rest of my life, you know, it'd be me personally it'd be more like a deadlift, which is why I told you about swings. But yeah, I mean squats could be up there with depending on your body type and everything. But yeah, that's it's a popular thing to do because it's a smart thing to do. It's efficient and it's effective and it works. Uh, in terms of trending, like socially, like males and females shouldn't be doing any much different exercise. Mm. And and that's starting to catch up because in the past, people were like, women shouldn't lift heavy weights because you want to get big, uh, all that stuff. I was like, if it's that easy to get big, I'd be huge now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, you're not going to just all of a sudden blow up. It doesn't work like that, yeah. right? So women are starting to learn and understand that they should be lifting heavy weights. And the fact is... You know, all this back in, like I told you, like in the 80s and stuff, it's like it was all about cardio because, you know, we thought like, oh, if you do cardio, you can burn more calories yeah. and that's going to lead to you being a smaller version of yeah. yourself so you look like what you want to look like. But the way I usually explain that is like if you're like a, t- like a big tomato and you do a bunch of cardio, you're just going to look like a smaller tomato. Is that God damn. <laughs> <laughs> so you went from becoming a fruity, plump tomato to a cherry tomato. Yeah, exactly. But you're still a tomato. Right. So you need to lift, right? <laughs> so, so So people are learning that you got to lift weights because so when you, you lift weights, you, yeah, your, your muscles get bigger or your uh. muscles are, are more able to do what they do. So, so when you do lose body fat, which you can do through dieting and training, you're going to have something underneath that, right? But if you just do cardio all day, like when's the last time you saw like a, a, a jacked Kenyan marathon runner? Right, they all look like they're emaciated. Like they all just, like very lean. Yeah, mm. so people are try- starting to figure out, and that's what I mean. The science of exercise is very new, right? Yeah, like yeah. it took us a while to figure it yeah. out, and then like socially, people are always wading through myths and stuff. They don't know who to believe. Mm. So you know, there's just a lot of like yeah, myth busting. Yeah, it's so overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, I just like, when I look at Instagram for a lot of the information, there's just like there's constantly a new diet. Like, oh, y- their body types like counting your macros or keto or like paleo, like all like, these yo, things. Yo, if you a shorty with your tools like squeezed together, and then your caption is about pizza, you're like, yo, I'm thinking about pizza, and then your next post is about yo, drink this tea to get healthy. I don't believe you. <laughs> fuck out of here. Yeah, you know what I, mean? and, like, I don't not fuck even, with you. Yeah, diet too, but then like a different like fitness people and all that stuff of just like it yeah it's just it's so overwhelming i think and i think that's why 
personal training is so valuable and right. that, like That's they can it, kind of distill all that information yeah, for it's, you. I mean, right now, I mean, I felt like it's, it's all across the industry, like a in music too. There's so much music, so it's whole hard to like decipher through what's good music mm-hmm. and then what's shit that you really want to listen to. It's too many choices right now, you know. I, I'm sure it's uh, likewise in the personal training and the physical therapy world as well. Yeah, yeah, 100. It's like, it's, it's absolutely true because, because, uh, you know, like let's take dieting for example, right? You know, ten years ago, you could probably everybody can name me what was trending, right? Whatever is paleo or keto, uh, yeah, all this. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, it, and this is why I keep to going back to consistency is whatever diet that you can follow is going to work. In other words, these are all just ways to look at it or approach it to meet the goal of what you need to mm-hmm. do, right? So that's why I always talk about you know, really building a relationship with somebody, understanding their personal needs is because a diet that works for you isn't going to work for the next person. So I basically talk to them enough to figure out and understand and coach them and do enough feedback and go back and forth to figure out what works for them. Because, you know, if you're trying to get, uh, lose weight, let's say, right? It doesn't matter if you do paleo diet or this diet or popcorn diet or whatever. It doesn't matter, right? You can literally do anything. Is If you need to be smaller as a person, by definition, you have to uh, spend more calories than than you eat, right? Mm-hmm. So all those things are just methods to reach that goal, right? But th- the reason why people usually fail is because either it's too um, they can't stay consistent because it's too too much of a mental drain to have to do something like that, or it's too it, it doesn't match with their lifestyle, so they're forcing themselves into a situation that's just not doesn't jive with their their life. So, you know, whether it's diet or training or whatever, it's you know at the end of the day, the body's the body, and if you really understand the principles, then you're not going to be a slave to the methods, right? You're not going to be uh, just a prisoner protocol. You're not going to just keep doing what everybody else is uh, saying. Oh, just do this. The truth is, whatever you need, you need to be guided through that specifically for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. French vanilla butter, pecan chocolate deluxe, even caramel sundaes is getting such scoop in my ice cream truck. Yo, what you know about that, Joanne? I don't know anything about that, JK. Yo, this is like a love ballad, you know what I'm saying? It's like a poetic ode to fine women and aligning them to different ice cream flavors, man. Not sure, I don't, I don't know if that's gonna fly in 2018, though. Yeah, I don't know if I want to be compared to a butter pecan. Yeah, but you know, it's... What if you get compared to like a noodle flavored ice cream, though? You mean Korean toasted rice? There's such an ice cream flavor for that? Damn, yo. Yeah. Let me put you on real quick, though. The origin tale, how I came across this ice cream brand, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Enlighten me. (laughs) Okay, all right. Yeah, so I was at a union market in Cobble Hill, right? This nice supermarket in a high-income neighborhood, you know, wild disposable income and all of that. You know, peeping what kind of artisanal ice cream flavors were available. So automatically, this brand called Nuna Ice Cream just pops out at me, right? Oh, Nuna, like the Korean word when referring to an older sister? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I assume automatically, like, damn, it's another one of them, like, hipster operations, you know? First, they're selling, like, $40 soju. Now they're selling $15 kimchi. Now they're slapping the word Nuna on an ice cream. Yo, I was kind of getting offended. So I snapped a flick and shared it with one of my ciphers. And a comrade, he just goes, yo, that's my homie sister's company. And I was like, yo, Korean Network, Channel 10, CNN. So it's actually owned and operated by a Korean-American lady. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Cool. So her name is Hannah Bay. I'm actually friends with her brother, too. Mm-hmm. So I Bay, hollered Bay, at Bay. the kid, and then he was like, yo, 
you know, giving me the mad cum on about it. So I'm like, wow, passionate about ice cream. And I have to say, the flavors offered by Nuna ice cream are refreshing, man. You know, all inspired by Korean cuisine and dessert. It has noodle flavor or toasted rice, bulky flavor, which Ooh. tastes like, you know, a little bit like burned honeycomb. Sujonggua flavor, which is like spiced cherry tea, and of course you got sesame assortments, you know, cause yo, sesame to Korean is like olive for Mediterranean peoples, man, it's, it makes everything taste better, you know, it's like the righteous formula. Yeah, I can see you're getting really excited. This yeah, man, they can't stop us, you know what I'm saying, they just can't. I'm about to, you know, yo, I'm all about fusion cuisines, but some of y'all men out there, man, really stepping out of line, man, I'm getting angry just thinking about it, so I was, <laughs> I was down. at this one restaurant, right, yo, they serve watermelon kimchi salad right and Ew. i was like yo what the fuck is that first of all and then yo son come through you know what i mean he prepped slices of watermelon with tiny chunks of kaktugi and he charged me 13 dollars man yo fuck out of here oh, with that no. shit man you know while nuna ice cream over here is doing it right for the culture man she's incorporating the right type of og korean flavors using ice cream as the medium to introduce them to the world I mean, being a Nuna myself, I love that it's called Nunas. It's like a term of respect used by boys or men when referring to an older sister figure. So I'm all about it. It sounds really cute. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. But yo, um, I'm all about this, yo. Mm-hmm. So you have the plug for this? I mean, I wish I did, but you know, I just got the young discount code, you know? Sure, I want that. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's this 10% discount code. You can go on NunaIceCream.com now and punch in 699PPP when you cop your bundle of Nuna ice cream. Can you say it again? It's 699PPP, triple P, like Platinum Pie Pipers. <laughs> it's a wild Detroit reference. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to try this out. Oh, Nuna, you oh, no. No. got what Stop. I need. <laughs> Please leave the singing to the singers. Nuna's ice Peace. cream, you heard? So when you're doing an exercise, is there a big difference between you going on autopilot or like you telling your brain to be like, okay, remember to focus on this uh, one muscle or whatever? Because right, right, right. I would do a squat and then like when you're not thinking about it, it yeah. doesn't have the same effect, right? Yeah. Now I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's this is gonna get a little bit like deep, but in terms of the science stuff, but there's studies that show that if you are coaching someone, you should coach them in a way that where they don't have to think about it. So if I'm telling you to move your left butt cheek three degrees to the left, that's just not going to work in the long term, <laughs> right? That might, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it, that's how you find it. That's how you know you're, you're an amateur trainer or PT is you're, you're telling people to do stuff that it's, it's, it's so, it, you forget the whole movement and for a part. And that shows, uh, that you're you're not understanding how the brain learns and how the brain reproduces movement. So there's you know someone who's in the you know like an NBA player, game seven of the finals, trying to shoot a free throw. Uh, if they learn the way I just described it, so myopically, it's like they're gonna they're gonna basically flop and they're gonna fail under pressure because it's not reflexive, mm. right? So your all your voluntary movements come from your. Mm. 
motor cortex, the front of your brain, right? Primary motor cortex. Sure. So all your movements <laughs> come from motor Jeez cortex, yo. God damn. But the way you the way Another you six ninety nine dollars dot. The the way you train the way you should be coaching people is what we call subcortically, which means sub means below, cortical is below the cortex, right? Mm. Which means it's your spine. And your spines don't think, it's reflexive. So I need to teach you reflexively. So when it's time for you to do stuff, you do it reflexively. Right, So I should be coaching you how to squat without telling you to focus on this muscle or that muscle. I should be teaching you in a way that will carry over. And that's been a hard shift for me. But, I mean, the science is very, very clear. It's like right. 94 out of 94 times external cueing is better than internal cueing. Mm. So a lot of times I just so – it's something called uh, gamification. I learned this from my mentor and all this stuff I learned from my mentor. But um, – What's the name of your mentor, man? Shout him out. Uh, Craig Levinson. He's a chiropractor out in L.A. He used to work for the Clippers. You know, he's consulted, like, Olympians, weightlifters, you know, football teams, and then average person, too. Word, word. Great dude. Word. Amazing dude. Word. Very influential to me, but... um. Uh, so yeah, like you were saying, sorry to cut you off. No, nah, I just nah, wanted yeah. to, like, but give him a shout-out. Yeah, um, he taught me everything. I mean, he... He's just the, the 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 coaching stuff I just taught you about. He learned that from another strength and conditioning coach, and he takes those principles and he applies them in the rehab world. Because it doesn't matter at the end of the day, we're trying to get somebody to move better, feel better, and all those things. And he's taking those methods, those coaching science methods, and applying them to his patients. And you know, he's getting better outcomes from people because. Again, the body's the body. The principle is the principle. It still works that way. So whether it's training a squat uh, or training somebody to get their shoulders stronger, they should still follow the same principles because it still applies, right? Mm -hmm. So he taught me how to coach and cue people that way. And so if I were going to work with you to try to train your squat, I would, you know, I wouldn't tell you to focus on a certain muscle. I would create a, a system or a um, like a lot, a lot of uh, one of the techniques you taught me is called gamification, right? You set up a game, and then you you get you to have fun and play the game. But in reality, I'm just coaching you how to. I'm teaching your body how to use your muscles in a certain way, so that you don't even have to think about it. So there's a lot of really cool things. It's based on something called dynamic systems theory. But mm. yeah, it's like it's all really sciencey, like nerdy stuff. But I mean, this is what. The Olympians, the NFL players, the NBA players, this is all the stuff that they get, right? The top people are doing this stuff. And that's what I mean by there's no more silos. Like the people, we're learning that in rehab, that the people, the best strength and conditioning people, we should all be doing the same thing, right? Because, again, person's a person. So mm. some interesting stuff. Nah, nah, this yeah. is amazing stuff, man. <laughs> I have, like, two questions uh, to kind of, like, ask you before we go into um, some of our, um, you know, parties over open-ended joints but uh so the first question is what are some um just basic life habits that you think more people should implement for preventive care mm. you know what i mean like posture or you know things that you just kind of want to tell people like it's just always like a pet peeve like for you like damn i, w I wish this motherfucker like just sit a little <laughs> bit more correctly or you know things yeah. like that um just regular shit that people could do uh, I mean, there's a bunch, but basically, and this kind of feeds into a lot of other things that I think about and have philosophies about, but, uh, you know, it's going to posture, right? Most people are slumped over, so, like, their mid-spine is leaned over. So if you're going to sit all day at work, uh, there's research that shows that if you stand up and take a micro break every 30 minutes or so, 
just breaking that up has huge benefits. So just literally just getting out of your seat, standing up, reaching over. Like me and Joanne, we just like we just, still, just we perked just up. Sit Everybody, just, just, Everybody just perked up. Yeah. But, but I'm gonna we come to your def- no, nah, I'm gonna come to your defense. Is that uh, the the misconception with posture is that it's a decision. In other words. You can't just think about having better posture and have better posture. In other words, I can tell you to be more upright, but if I don't give you the tools, as in give you the back strength to be more upright, then I'm, it's a moot point, right? That's, that's short-sighted on my end, right? So there's no research that says or – and I like bring up research because I need proof, right? It's not an opinion. But, yeah, I can't just tell you to have better posture and you're going to have better posture. You can't think about it. You end up in that position because that's the only position that your body can handle for that amount of time. But – um, yeah, uh, we're, it's clear now that in terms of posture that we're designed to move. So standing isn't better than sitting. Sitting isn't better than standing. You just shouldn't be in any position for too long. So always moving around and stuff like that. Um, I think one, so you have so many different clients, as you've said, from different demographics. Um, but was there maybe like one particular case that was like very special to you or um, it was really, really difficult in the beginning, but then um, by the end of it or it's still being maintained that you've learned the most from? Uh, this has, there's definitely a few of those. Um, you know, you the, the greatest teachers you have as a PT or as a trainer are your clients, right? That's really where you learn and and that's where the magic happens. I think I think one of one client that really stands out. I'm actually gonna go see him right after this. Uh, you know, he had really complicated back pain history, and this is a client that was looking for a personal trainer, not a physical therapist. Uh-huh. I was a trainer at the time, not a physical therapist yet, right? So I wasn't licensed yet. And this guy came from a place where he couldn't. He, had, he was in so much back pain, and he was so debilitated he couldn't even get out of bed. Uh, when I met him, he had already progressed to the point where he could get out of bed, but he was very scared to move, very debilitated, and um, I learned so much working with him, like every little detail of little things, uh, where I just learned a lot a lot about mechanics and, and things like that through him because he was so sensitive mm-hmm. to every little thing. Everything would hurt him, and so uh, I've been with him for maybe like four years. Um, but he sent, he's the type of person, he's, you know, well off. So he was able to send me to some experts. So, uh, one time I went on a trip up to Canada and the world's, uh, most famous and, uh, back pain researcher, he's a professor. He was a professor up at the university of Waterloo and he sent me over to that guy's house to get consulted by him. So I, I drove to the middle of like bumblefuck nowhere, wow. Canada. And then I went to this dude's house. He's like famous guy. He worked with everybody mm-hmm. from like. Michael Jordan wow. to like George St. Pierre. He's been around for over 20 years. Yes. Uh, so I went to this guy's house and, you know, he consulted like the U.S. government about taking sit-ups out of the military testing because he found that it hurts people's backs if you mm. do too much and stuff like that. So this guy is very famous and he's very influential. And I went to this guy's house and, you know, we talked about my, my client and things I could do for him. So this client of yours is just like, yo, go talk to him on my stead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God damn, this motherfucker must be rich as fuck. Like, yo, shout out to him, yo. Six ninety nine per pound podcast, looking for sponsors right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a well off dude, and then, so so he sent me to him. I learned from him, blah blah. blah. Fast forward like a year, uh, you know, he went to that same client went to LA. He's still having you know back troubles, and so he seeked out this other specialist who's that my mentor, Craig Liebenson, and that's literally how I met my mentor. Oh. So he got treatment from him in LA. Um, and then next time Craig was in New York, 
he's like, okay, we're going to do a follow-up appointment. It's like eight months later or whatever because, you know, they're on different coasts. And he's like, Ryan, you should come along. So I think you would learn from this situation. So I, I went in and I watched this guy and I watched him just orchestrate the whole situation. And he was just like 50 steps ahead of me. Like everything was just like so, I don't know, it was like so masterfully done. And he would do everything from empower him to, to prove that he wasn't fragile and he could move and that he could strengthen and he was... It like made him feel invigorated and he just broke this cycle of like pain and problems and fear and all these things and at the same time he was also you know managing his training his breathing all this stuff he was just doing all this stuff at the same time I was like holy crap who is this guy right so then you know I started talking to him and then you know that's how I built that relationship so I mean the the, the relationship with the client itself I learned I still to this day learn a lot by working with him uh, but in terms of he opened me up to this a whole other world. And these guys are like the, the leaders. Like they've literally the best in the world at what they do. Um, so that was kind of my entryway into getting in touch with, you know, all these people. Because through that relationship with Craig Levinson, you know, I've worked with some pro baseball player and met like one of the strongest people who's ever lived on this planet. This dude can squat 1,180 pounds. Yeah, and, what? Yeah, and he, this guy came from a crazy back injury. He's actually he wrote a book with the the back specialist I was mentioning before, Stuart McGill. Oh my goodness! So I get to meet all these people in person and learn right. from them, right? right. It's like a dinosaur. Yeah. So so it, would you say uh, this was arguably the most significant relationship in your life? Not in my life, in okay. my career. In your in career. career. Yeah, right. in terms of the access that it got me to, uh, you know, I still very much enjoy working with that client and. You know, I have a great time. We do a lot of great stuff, and I, I still see him. But, uh, yeah, he exposed me to this whole other world because, you know, most of my colleagues, when they take courses and stuff, they just learn from somebody else who knows better than them, right? And when you're new, that's pretty much everybody, right? Yeah. But, you know, I got able – I was able to get fast-tracked, and I just straight up learned from the people who are – Are the best of the best. Best of the best. Like, right. Like, literally the best of the best, right? So, like, to, to learn with Craig, I'm basically going to travel to – Prague. I'm gonna go to Korea. I'm gonna Taipei. This guy's published his book in like, you know, five six different languages. Teaches around the world. Uh, so I'm just gonna go learn with the guy. Just wow. follow him around. That's amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's, cool. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. So what? I mean, obviously this guy is probably really busy, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and probably meets tons of people. Yep. But he kind of took an interest in you, and you get to you have this relationship with him. What do you think? Um, made him curious about you and, like, made you feel genuine to him enough for him to invest his time in mentoring you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is good. I think, if anything, if I had to guess, I would say he recognized the dedication because he there's, you know, obvious obstacles. Like, just like most of my colleagues, I always encourage them to learn from him or learn from other people. But there's always a, a reason not to do it. Oh, it costs too much money. I don't have the time. But the truth yeah. is it's always worth the investment. And when I first met him... Um, you know, I, was, I basically followed up. I was like, all right, where are you teaching next? He's like, well, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Like, I'm teaching in Chicago next month. Come to that. So I went to go do that. And the next thing, it's like, come to this next thing. It's like in Phoenix. I'm like, okay, I went to Phoenix. And after that, it's like, uh, I'm teaching a course in L.A. It's a one-day thing. 
Like, okay, I'm going to come to that and everything. It's like. So you really invested your time, money, and yeah, effort yeah. into like really learning from this guy. And then he saw the passion and the dedication. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be clear, he has a lot of people he's mentored over the years. Mm-hmm. So he has a lot of faculty all across the world who kind of followed him in similar ways. But yeah, I think that's what it would be. It's, it's like I, and he's a great dude. Like I went to, when I went to LA, he hosted me at his house. So I stayed over his house oh with gosh. his family. I went to his clinic. I worked with him and. Um, so he's a good guy overall, but, uh, yeah, it's like, there's a million reasons not to do those things, right? Cause it just costs time and money, but then he could tell that I was, I wanted to learn and do it for the right reasons, you know? Mm. Mm. Um, so, uh, yo, man, thank you for dropping so much knowledge about <laughs> just everything related to health and physical therapy and, you know, like, and I feel life. like, mm-hmm. and life, and, you know, <laughs> I feel like Joanne and I are, like, so much more uh, smart, go to the gym after this. and uh, we're, like, really enlightened about everything that you, uh, t- you know, told us about, but um, well, I kind of want to ask you, because, uh, you know, outside of, um, you know, your day-to-day job of helping patients and helping clients is that you know you have a dream of your own as mm-hmm. a uh, as a as a as an entrepreneur of some mm-hmm. sort, right? So mm-hmm. I kind of want you to uh, tell us about that passion and the dream that you have, and what is it, you know, like, and what is your ultimate goal um, yeah, in the yeah. field that you're in? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's uh, I mean, the big driver in all of this, just to you know, backtrack is. You know, you just want to have an impact on your community. You want to help people, right? So, you know, you just try to problem solve in ways where you can best do that. So in the beginning, you're a trainer. You do one-on-one training, right? So you can only reach whatever. I've done like 14, 15 appointments a day. But 15 appointments a day, seven days a week, you know, you can only do so much. Uh, so then I, that's why I started teaching. Well, I'm like, okay, if I get other people who are reaching people to be better at what they do, I can reach even more people. And then it kind of evolved, and I looked at the PT world, and I saw, like, PTs are like these like overeducated, do-gooder, like kindest, smartest people around. Like no one even knows we have doctoral degrees. We're completely under- underpaid. We're completely, you know, it costs way too much money to do it. So uh, PTs are just uh, general like good people. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll teach PTs, kind of like Craig does. So I'm like, oh, I, I can educate people, and I'm still kind of pursuing that. But uh, then I started to see that the biggest problem to being having impact is really uh, creating access uh, because basically PTs can't really help people uh, the way I think they should be able to because of, you know, basically the health insurance situation, people's understanding of what PT is and how it can help them. So PTs know enough to help people from a science and skill standpoint. They just don't have the ability to actually do any of the stuff they're taught to do, right? Because most of the time you go to a PT, and, you know, this really applies to chiropractic and everything too, but, uh, you know, you ha- the PT's juggling four patients at a time. And then you start asking questions. Well, why do they do that? Well, it's because the health insurance companies don't reimburse enough. They don't mm-hmm. afford them enough money to keep the doors open. So you have to see four people at a time. But the truth is you can't really help. I mean, you can help a lot of people like that, but you can't help everybody like that. So there's a lot of people, like, you know, if you have, like, a, a complicated history, you can't just do, like, what we call a, a mill PT, right? Just a factory, just in and out, throw these five exercises at them, put a little heat on them. Like that might help some people, but most of the time that's not gonna help people. So the, 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 I wanted to basically improve the PT's ability to provide the services that they wanna provide and connect them to the people who want those services. And like we talked about the growth of health and wellness, that's a hugely emerging population. 
and that's what people value. That's what people spend money on. That's what people care about. And but then people can't find good providers because you know there's there's all this stuff to navigate, like we were talking about before. So I want to start a co-working space where I can improve uh, the health and wellness professional, not just PTs. I'm just using them as an example to run the business that they want to run, right? Create a business platform where they can have the one-on-one time, make their own decisions, and get uh, enough pay for their clients to have the quality of life to be able to help people. Because whether you're a trainer or a PT, you know, if you pay your Equinox trainer $120, that trainer's taking home 30 bucks. Just like health insurance, you know, will pay 80 bucks to 400 bucks for for a patient, but that PT probably has to probably is forced to see 18 people a day, uh, and they get paid a fraction of that, right? They get you know like almost it's not worth it, right? So people fall into this trap where they're uh, you know they feel like they're forced to work in this situation. There's no other option. So I want to create that other avenue for people to be entrepreneurial, but just have the ability to serve people the way they want to serve people, you know. So how how do you plan on doing that? Like, how is this co-working space going to, like, basically uh, cut off some of that middleman right. that so, you were talking about? So um, so I, I, I've been running my, my own personal training and, and PT business out of uh, independent training gym, right? You go in there, you rent the space, like, anywhere from, like, $25 to $35, $40 an hour, and then you just run your business there. You rent the space for the hour, you bring your client there, and then you you uh, you just do your thing, right? So that concept exists right now. And then a lot of PTs, they're also just renting space out of gyms, right? They're subleasing space from gyms. And there's a beneficial relationship to have a PT and a trainer uh, work together for their clients and patients and stuff. So I'm just taking that concept of, you know, renting space by the hour, kind of like co-working space. It doesn't even need to be by the hour, but just subleasing space and sharing um, uh pooling your resources and just having different practitioners all in the same mm-hmm. place. So instead of just building a gym that's just for independent trainers to uh, work out of, it's a whole wellness facility where PTs, chiropractors, uh, trainers, yoga instructors, acupuncturists, massage therapists, everybody not just has the gym space, but they have the the phone booths and the conference rooms that traditional co-working spaces have, the coffee, you know, the, the, the water, the the, the place to do the kombucha tab yeah exactly right <laughs> the, the little phone booths the little private treatment rooms yeah. and that way you can actually run your business because you only have two options right now you work for somebody or you open your own thing not everybody can make Ooh, that yeah. leap right. right so it can be seen as a kind of a middle ground or you can run your whole career out of that place it's just whatever you want but the idea is to create a a uh, scalable version of that and to have that be the new place of delivery for the services. Because training, I mean, I've done a lot of research. Like, I can throw tons of numbers at you, but, you know, people are spending money on health and wellness now, right? People yes. value that. But if you look at the exponential increase, right? Your mind goes to Equinox. <laughs> exactly. Equinox. Yeah, it's, you know, some measure it as a $3.6 bill, uh, trillion dollar industry between the 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 food the training the everything right the 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 gear everything right it's a huge so people are spending money on this but if you track the change and how much the provider is actually getting paid over time it hasn't changed right damn son right so where's all that money going all fucked up yeah so you the money I mean? you know the CEO of Equinox gets paid more right. not to bash Equinox like every you know but then the people who are doing the actual job they're not getting mm. their due right mm. but the thing is people value this right twenty years ago you asked somebody if it was a trainer you know when are you gonna get a real job 
job. That's the way it's seen. But now the top 20% of trainers, including gym owners, they're getting paid 200000 to a million dollars, right? Mm. And that's the top 20%. But the reality is people value these services. There's a market for it, right? Um, and I've done like all kinds of astounding numbers. Like PTs, PTs are always scared to go out on their own. But I'm saying that PT should go out on their own, start their own business. Trainers should go out and start their own business because with the internet and marketing and everything, you can find people who need your services. Right. And the crazy thing is the demand is unlimited. It's literally unlimited, right? Because right now the borough labor statistics says PT is a $30 billion industry. But I, ha I have a bunch of research studies that says that only less than 10% of people who need PT are actually getting it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really a $300 billion industry, right? And even if you don't believe that, if you look at uh, um, just the job market, right? Borough labor statistics says the PT job market is growing by 25% uh, over the next 10 years, right? So that basically means that if you two are PTs with maxed out case caseloads, I was a PT with a maxed out caseload, there's another person who doesn't exist who needs your services. So for people to be afraid to go out on their own is silly, right? Because you can literally go out on your own and, and provide the services you want actually be a healthcare model. Actually put your patient's needs first. Damn, yo, we need less rappers and DJs and more <laughs> PTs, man. <laughs> no, but and just, and the people want these things, but people don't, the, the PTs are, they're not thinking that way. Trainers mm. aren't thinking that way. So that's why I'm thinking the lowest hanging fruit is not to become smarter trainers and, and PTs. It's to give people the knowledge. It's such small things that they can do to get access to these people. So then I don't have to work, you know, 15 hours a day to make ends meet. I can get paid more per person, run my business the way I want to. And like I said, these people are do-gooders, right? So they want to help their clients anyway. So people are already working overtime, doing stuff, going above and beyond for their clients. They're just not getting reimbursed Yeah, for like it. you, for instance. It's a <laughs> Sunday, and you're about to go see another client after this. So, yo, that's, that's like hard work. But, um... Yo, man, uh, I just want to say, yo, thank you so much for all the knowledge, man, that you dropped today, man. Folks, fuck, man. You totally shifted our understanding of it. This whole industry, you know what I'm saying? But, Joe, is there anything else that you want to add? Um, I mean, again, yeah, thank you so much. Like, this is, <laughs> I feel like my whole perception of fitness has changed. Mm. Thanks to Ryan. And I'm putting Equinox. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. That's, that's... I can't afford Ryan, so I'll go to Equinox. <laughs> oh, but yo, Ryan, <laughs> thank you so much. But is there anything else that you would like to add, man, before we wrap this up? Uh, shoot, I don't know. Um, I mean, definitely thank you for giving me the opportunity to just voice what I have passion for, right? Like, you know, uh, kind of what I was talking about before is people just need to hear about this stuff more because people don't know. So just the opportunity to, to have a media outlet that people will listen to because, you know, I don't know how to reach people, right? right I'm just right. I'm just trying to pick stuff, heavy stuff up and put it down, right? No, nah, but you know what? I, want, I do want to mention this, though, man. As a, as a Queens kid, you know, you came up, you said, you know, you wasn't like a crazy wild knucklehead or anything, but, you know, you wasn't really passionate about this thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you said that you wasn't really the best in school. Right. But right. now, the way you articulate yourself and how much passion and knowledge that you have in this field, like, I would have never guessed that, you know. Not at all. Like, you yo, really like, you, you, you know, you skip school and class just to, like, fucking play basketball and shit. But now you're like, yo, you, 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 you really know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? 
So like how do you, what do you what do you say to those kids out there, man, that like maybe like a 15 year old, you know, going to Bronx Science, skipping school, drinking 40s, do kids still drink 40s? I don't know, but you know what I'm talking about. Like somebody like a younger version of yourself. Like what do you want to say to those guys out there, man? Um, I mean, I think the only way I'm able to keep up, you know, over, like working so hard and being dedicated is that I enjoy doing it. And you know, it, it, find something that you love to do and then pursue it because, you know, even the top janitor is called the, what, the head of the sanitation department, right? So if you're good at what you do, it, yeah. yo, the top janitor, <laughs> head of the sanitation department, <laughs> right? But Word. you know what I'm saying? Like if you're good at it, like you know, you, you can provide value to people, and I think. You know, I can't tell everybody to just be selfless, but I think what really helps me is that I know I'm helping other people. So, you know, I was trying to share with you guys before, like, sometimes it's rough. I'm like, damn, I got 14 patients tomorrow. You know, get up at five, get home at nine. God and then they got to do it again God. every day, right? Six days. Uh, but then as soon as I see my first patient and then they tell me like, you know, I haven't been able to do this in months and I, you know, I was getting depressed and I was losing hope and all this, but you changed that, right? Then boom, next, the rest of the day is easy, you know? So then, and that's just one example. The, the big overarching theme is, you know, love what you do, you're gonna pursue it, you know, with more of a passion. It becomes less of a job and an obstacle and more something you look forward to, so. Nah, that's tight, that's tight. Yo, once again, appreciate you coming through, man. Shout out to Queens, shout out to Ryan. Yo, shout out to 699 Podcast. Thank y'all for listening, but y'all should thank us for making y'all listen. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, man, this podcast is co-produced by Julie Young of Dreammaker 3D. My name is Jay Key Cho and my co-host. Jojo. And shout out to Marcus, Epic Pleasure on the Sound. We out. Peace. Hey yo, it's 699 per pound. Podcast.